Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. Rafael Danilo, great to see you again, my friend. How are you? You're in New York, and we have daylight savings time on. So it's 6.15 p.m. your time and 7.15 a.m. my time. I think this is one of the earliest interviews I've done. Getting all, right. all the kids kids out of my house. And uh, Rafael, we got to start with this. Um, I'm drinking my blend of Ethiopian plus South American coffees from uh, Filter Lane, one of my favorite coffee shops in Hong Kong. And you are having a? Well, yeah, I've already had my three coffees for the day. So right now, <laughs> right now, water before I transition to, uh, to some French wine. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, wine, wine and coffee have been my two discoveries during COVID. What about you? Those are good discoveries. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but I've, I've been getting into hard seltzers, which is like, it's, it's not very strong. It's kind of like a beer, but it tastes like a Perrier, basically. You know, it, it, it is what it is. But, but after a long day at work, it, it, you know, it's pretty nice. But you know, if I if I may say so, that is very American. The seltzers are very American. It's so American. It's so American. <laughs> that, that, that's why, as a Frenchman, I'm I'm embarrassed to say it. But but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce you, Rafa, Rafael Danilo, CEO of Yops. It's a startup that he founded seven years ago, six years ago, Rafa. <sighs> not not that long. It was four years ago. Okay, so I just maybe remember our conversations from when we first met. Fine. It was a couple of years after that then. And um, it's an interview intelligence platform that sits on top of Zoom to make interviews better, higher, faster, and reduce bias, which is awesome. He also invests in other early stage startups via his evening fund, which he runs on nights and weekends. So literally, it's the evening fund. He's from France. We met in Hong Kong. He now lives in New York. When Rafa and I met, he was doing a university degree that he was trying to explain to me, but I'm going to make an attempt at this. It's three degrees in one. It's a triple degree, two years at USC, University of Southern California, one year at Hong Kong UST, uh, Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. It's where we met. And one year at Bocconi in Milan, which is one of the best business schools in Italy. How's that, Rafa? Did I cover it? It's surprisingly pretty good. <laughs> okay, so cool. Look, look. Let's let's jump in. Thanks for being here, Rafa. Give us um, an intro into your your background and your story. You and I know each other, so yeah. Let us know what's up. What? Who is Rafa? Yeah. So, so I'm from France originally. I grew up in France for the most part, and then when I was a teenager. Um, it was around the financial crisis and my parents worked in, in banking and finance. And so my, my dad got the opportunity to move to, to LA, which was crazy because my parents come from like the countryside in France. Like they moved to Paris, which you know, is like the, the capital, which was a huge move for them. And so the, the idea of moving to the US was was crazy. Like uh, my entire family was like, are you crazy? You know, to my to my parents for moving us to the US. But they they kind of had that vision of like showing us beyond the borders of France. And um, so I, I had the chance to move to the US when I was like 13, 14. I spent three years in LA. 
which is where I learned English and, and you know got to got to see a little bit of the world beyond Paris. And and I loved it. And so when I when I came back to France to finish high school, I decided that I really wanted to to travel. And so I, I discovered this program that you were just explaining, the the World Bachelor in Business, which is just pretty much exactly what it sounds like. And so this idea of like going to LA and then going to Hong Kong and then going to Italy was just like perfect. I was like, I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> Maybe this program is a scam, but but honestly, like it, it sounds it sounds perfect if it's legit, and and it worked out. And so basically, for four years, I was I was traveling with thirty other students. We were all going through the same program at the same time. So these these people became my best friends. Um, had some cool, really really cool experiences, and and throughout the whole time, I was always like fascinated by startups and innovation. I started my first kind of projects when I was in high school, when I was like 16, started like a, a small nonprofit where we were helping students stay in school with scholarships. We helped like 400 students who were going to have to drop out because they didn't have the funds to stay in school. So that was like my first taste of like, wow, shit, like you can actually have an impact and like how good that feels. And I think like, that's where the the addiction, you know, kind of began of just like, okay, like I, I need to see kind of like a purpose to what I work on. And so then when I, when I got to university, I met my co-founder Federico for Jobs. And we, we started working on a lot of projects since freshman year, like 95% of them didn't work. <laughs> and then, you know, we stumbled upon the idea for, for jobs, which was, which was all around sort of, you know, online interviewing, hiring remotely, which at the time, you know, COVID was not in the, in the book. So, so we had no idea that it was going to blow up the way it was, it was going to blow up. But there was still a lot of demand for, for hiring people remotely. So, you know, the, the business, you know, slowly started picking up. And then we we almost dropped out of school a couple of times. And, and you know, my, my, my parents, you know, were like, please don't drop out. I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in school. So, so I was like working a full-time job with the startup and then doing school full-time. So, so like really burning the midnight oil the, the last couple of years of college. And then when graduation came around, you know, we already had a few full-time employees. We had raised some some outside capital from investors, and so it's been my uh, it's been my full-time job since uh, since graduation a couple of years ago. And then you know, COVID COVID hit about six months after after I graduated, and so that that was like a big inflection point in our growth. Where well, for three months it was pretty crazy. We we can talk about that three to six months. You know, no one was hiring. It was crazy. But then when the dust kind of settled and hiring really, really picked up, everything was over Zoom, you know, and so that was a huge, huge tailwind for us. And, uh, and yeah, and that's, that's kind of what took us here. Raphael, well, tell me about, I mean, without the experience, tell me about running a startup, growing a business and being in college still. Tell me about that. How, how was that managed? What was that experience like? Yeah, well, you know, like there's, there's pros and cons. The, the main pro is that when you're in college, you really have zero sort of like strings attached. You know, you're like, I got rejected from literally every internship I applied to when I was, you know, a freshman, I was, I was like still very much an immigrant, like with no network in the U S. So it's like, if, you know, employers didn't respond to my cold emails, like that's it to my resume in their inbox. Like that was it. So I didn't really have other options. So to me, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm unemployable. So might as well start, you know, start my own thing and, and help others be employable. And so that's kind of how it got started. And the good thing is that if, if it failed, like I was like, well, I can always fall back on, on my schooling and my studies. I don't have kids to take care of. I don't have a mortgage, you know, like I, I, it's, if it doesn't make money for a year or two, like it's fine, you know, which ended up being 
a really good foundation for me to like make a lot of mistakes, learn a lot, and ultimately like go through the trials and tribulation of like, okay, this is actually how you run a business, how you run a team. And, and honestly, I'm still on the going on that, you know, still learning every day. So I think like it was awesome to be able to start a company in university for all those reasons. On the other hand, there's also all the reasons that starting a company while you're in college is hard, which is that, you know, you still need to show up to your midterms. You still got to, you know, pass your classes. And also you're, you're not the most credible founder, you know, like you're, mm. you're just like some 18 year old dude who doesn't know much about business or anything. And so you have to build that credibility. Like when you're talking to investors, when you're talking to clients, when you're trying to hire people that are like 15 years older than you, you know, uh, not a lot of people have the the risk appetite to just invest or make their full-time job working for for an 18 year old which i i understand <laughs> mm. so for all those reasons it's also very challenging so this is where i'll step in a bit rafa hiring as an 18 year old building a business so look building a business as an 18 year old i get i think most people can relate to that because even if it's an online business you know you're online it's uh, it's commercial, right? It's transaction that I get. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not trying to diminish it from anybody. I want to talk about the building a business without the experience and credibility because it's really important. I mean, I come from a world today and because of my background, because of my background, so the the focus and, and where I'm at with uh, my businesses are and just how my how just this phase of my life, it's, I use this word collaborations, and and I'm lucky enough to look for entrepreneurs who have failed. I use the word failed, but I just look at them that they're still on their journey. Okay, at your end, you're coming from the early early end. How are you approaching? How did you approach? I mean, I credibility, no experience, vision. Clearly, there was a vision. I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, you're talking to investors. You're talking. For me, the scariest thing has always been trying to raise money or taking somebody's money. So it's a huge responsibility, right? What was what was the approach there? What was what was some of the learning and I guess mistakes there? Yeah, well, I think it's it's two things. It's the the first is external credibility, and the second one, which counterintuitively is actually. A lot harder and it's something that kind of took me years to to get over was like the imposter syndrome is like credibility yeah. in yourself right yeah and so the first one like on the external credibility side i think it was about surrounding myself with people who had that experience right as soon as possible and then confronting the ideas that we had in our head to to the reality so whether that's the reality of the market customers you know competitors like once you ship a product, you put it in the market, you put it in the hands of a customer. Who you are matters to some extent, but what really matters is like, are you saving me time? Are you saving me money? Are you helping me make more money? Like that's really what matters. And so if the business is doing well and it delivers on the value proposition, it solves a real problem. Who I am matters less, right? And so for the longest time, I was focused on that. Just like build the best product and, you know, and they will come. And that, you know, was true to some extent, but, but it's not, it's not the full story. And then bringing on great advisors and great investors who believed in us early, probably earlier than I think, you know, I would have honestly, even, you know, and I think like bringing on folks who just had that, that vision, even when I didn't and, and believed us super early, like that was literally life changing, like literally transformed the trajectory that, that we were on. 
and then the, the last I think is, is yeah. So the, that, that took time and, you know, through trial and error and surrounding ourselves with people who did have that experience and developing that experience ourselves, you know, like things kind of went on and evolved. I think the internal credibility piece though, the, the imposter syndrome, that's one that took me years, you know, to really believe in yourself and not waking up every day being like, is it okay? Is it normal to take you know, $2.5 million from outside investors having a company worth, you know, 10 figures when like, I feel like most days I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And most days, you know, I actually might, might actually know what I'm doing, but it's just your brain, like playing those, those games on you, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm literally a white male, you know? So like, I, I, <laughs> you know, like I have those issues, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of other groups that, that have that even, even worse, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm also like, I, I also try to be, conscious of my own privileges but yeah even even in that position it's you know still that anxiety stays with you yeah so when i met you i was running uh the paperclip entrepreneur campus startup it was a accelerator incubator co-work space in in hong kong the vision behind that was also to help early stage founders because of my journey that i went through the painful uh at least in my head the uh the painful journey that I wish I had had a healthier mindset going through that journey. And um, earlier on when I'd started, but also running Paperclip, I went through some of that imposter syndrome. So we'll, so, we'll, so we'll touch on that. What's your take on this privilege aspect? Because you, were, you, you saw the, the startup scene in Hong Kong, and this isn't about a judgment on the startup scene in Hong Kong. Let's just talk about the startup scene globally. Okay, so... And you've seen the startup scene in many aspects of the world. This word, this word privilege, as an early stage founder, then what's your advice to somebody who won't have as much privilege? Let's, let's go there for, for a bit. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have advice, uh, necessarily. I think the only thing I can do is like share my journey and what worked for me. Um, okay. but I mean, for, for, for my, for my perspective, I think the hardest part at first was even identifying my my blind spots because initially I, I had no idea that I even had privilege. Like for me, I was coming to the US as a 18-year-old French immigrant. Like I literally knew nobody. I didn't have like money to invest in my own startup. So it wasn't like we were starting with a small loan of a million dollars from my father. <laughs> like we didn't have, you know, any of that. Mm. So from my perspective, I didn't have privilege. I was like, I'm starting literally from zero. Um, I'm not like a, a coder or someone with very valuable skills. I, I, you know, we, we have to hustle to get everything that we, that we get, you know? So I think it took me some time to realize that no, like just the fact that I don't have to work a part-time job, um, on the side to pay for my own schooling and that like, you know, savings plus like, support from my parents like my family like just just that already is privilege you know um so so there's a lot of ways in which like you know just kind of taking a step back and and honestly part of it for me was just meeting people who who didn't have the same kind of privilege um Mm. and really like becoming friends with them becoming very close to them i think that was key um and then you know how to how to overcome it i think i I don't know it's it's a really hard thing because I, i from an advice perspective, um, getting like when you don't have privilege, like it's, I don't know what advice you can get on the other hand, like when you do have privilege, the, the, the best thing you can do is just like be aware of it, be aware yeah. of it and try to give back, you know, and that like, to some extent that's 
part of what I try to do with Evening Fund. Um, like I would do Evening Fund for free. In fact, for years, I did it for free. Like I was introducing founder friends of mine who didn't have networks with like Sequoia Capital and like these other VC firms. Like I was introducing them for free. Like I was never making a dime on that just because I, w- I wanted to help my friends. Um, and and over time, like these VCs were like, well, actually these founders that you're introducing us to, like we would have never met them without you. And, and you know, like seems like you have a good eye and then that kind of turned into its own thing. It's the, the fund. Um, but really for like three years, probably it was just like making introductions and, and not getting anything out of it. And that's with the position I was in, that's all I had, you know, it was just like, I knew mm. people. <laughs> mm. And so I tried to, I was like, okay, that's, that's one asset I have at my disposal. How can I make that work for, for the people I know, you know? That's where I, I like to help entrepreneurs also get clarity. So you can use the word privilege. We can use the word adversity as well. Okay. There's different aspects to the word adversity. And adversity is, in my view, it's just part of life. I think it was it was Sadhguru. This is getting a bit philosophical. There's Sadhguru, this uh, mystic philosopher who says, you know, pain is a normal part of life, but suffering is a choice. Okay. And just being clear on adversity, the the fact that there was purpose behind what you originally were doing in college and wanting to help. Uh, other people so they wouldn't drop out that was an opportunity that was created based off someone else's adversity that you were clear on let's just say okay what else have you done now your software helps uh, interview better hire fast and reduces bias you know i mean you're you're solving a problem there which is then also you got to do maybe that's a privilege or adversity problem we can put that under the heading of ad- adversity entrepreneurs the the struggle with entrepreneurs is they don't realize they're entrepreneurs first and foremost. So that's the that's that's problem number one. Problem problem number two is all this adversity are basically all these challenges are basically data points on what's the opportunity here. What else what else can I do that can feed the direction for my purpose and what I want to do? I don't want to use the word rest of my life, but this is where I can build my capabilities and capabilities and and grow. And then let's talk about. Imposter syndrome. It's that whole thing of not knowing that you're an entrepreneur, that you feel like, you know, who am I to do this? And guess what? You're you're meant to do this because you're an entrepreneur. You know, it's like it all it almost comes around full circle. And the imposter syndrome is uh and for, and I've I'm I, I've been through this, I still go through this. Very, very normal for for entrepreneurs, which is why we also need that kind of healthy network to remind us on, oh, okay, I'm not weird. This is the way I think mm. and this is this is who I am. And you know what? The businesses that I'm in are just different, almost sports I'm playing or different games I'm playing. They're all here just to build my my capabilities, actually, as as the entrepreneur, you know? So it's it's interesting that, that you had clarity on privilege earlier. It's interesting that you've you identified your different adversity points of which you did something about. It's interesting that you stayed in college. There's this, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that I'm reading now on people who dropped out. But a lot of the people who dropped out had a solid base. So when they dropped out, it's not like they were, you know, they, they couldn't fall back on anything. Okay. And I'm not mm. taking that away. I'm not taking that away from any entrepreneur. But there is that story. I mean, me, myself as an immigrant entrepreneur, my parents as an immigrant entrepreneurs coming into Hong Kong, all they faced was privilege and adversity. And they, I mean, they didn't have the privilege, right? But it was against the, the tide of privilege. And it's all mm. about ad, ad, adversity, but 
but adversity goes hand in hand with with entrepreneurship, right? We, we, we keep using this word, you know, we want to be successful, but the learning is in the adversity moments, right? Absolutely. So, so success is when, yeah, things, things work out, but you're already on the next idea. You're already on the next growth point. You're already on the next kind of challenge, right? It's almost like the... Well, yeah. And you know, like, it's like that, like that was one of the, what you just described, like you, you have a goal and then when you're hitting it, it's almost like it, if, if, I don't know if, if the word should be like, if you're a true entrepreneur, but like when you're, when you're hungry and, and it's almost like you get addicted to adversity, which is really weird. Um, but you, like, I remember when I, when I started my company in the, in the very back of my mind, I had this very like, uh, uh, you know, immature goal in the back of my mind where I was like, I, you know, if I ever raise a million dollars for my startup, like I'm going to be the king of the world. Like this is like, yeah. that's my, yeah. one of my soft goals. I'm like, yes, like if I can do this, like I'll consider this a success. And you know, what ended up happening was whatever, you know, two, three projects later. And like when I, you know, when I actually achieved that goal, I didn't even realize until like six months later or 12 months later, like, and we like blew past that goal. And I didn't even realize like it, it did not move me whatsoever. And that's because, as you said, at that point, I was already onto the next thing. It's like, oh, you've raised X amount of money. Well, now you want to do this. Well, now you want to generate a million dollars in revenue from customers. Like you're always onto the next thing. And so part of that is, is good. Like if you can harness that hunger in a productive way, that's amazing. Like, I mean, you're, you're always sort of like pushing the, the edge. On the other hand, I feel like, and that's where the imposter syndrome, I, I think, is 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 unhealthy. It, it's like you're, you're um, I, I rarely stopped to like celebrate those wins and be like, wow, mm. a year ago, mm. I, I I wanted to do this and I've I've done it or or I you know I exceeded it. Um, like celebrating the wins, I think was was so key and, and like took me a really long time to actually like. And usually I do this at New Year's Eve actually, <laughs> or like the day after. Where I'm like, okay, every, like, where was I at last New Year's Eve? Like, what did I want to do this year? And I write it down and I'm like, what did, what do I want to do this year? And then I look back at that note every year and I've been doing that for three years now. And it's incredible to like, see, wow, a year ago, this is how my brain functioned because I have to like set those reminders. Otherwise my brain just like every day, like acclimates to that new reality and, yeah. and just like forgets what the reality was a year ago. So I'm, um, I'm hearing again, tie-ins to, you know, I, I get, again, the, the, the privilege of being in this position to interview entrepreneurs I, I respect and, and learn from. I, I, and this is what excites me, right? So is we are activated by crisis. That's a default. That's just a default uh, kind of trait. It's an entrepreneurial trait. Okay. So that's what, that's what exactly what, what you're talking about. It's one crisis to another. It's, that's a fact because guess what? We're creating crises. We're just great. We're just we're just good at that. And again, that's a superpower. Actually, it's a superpower. And that can, if we're not careful, that can wear us down and wear our teams down. Most importantly, it wears our teams down. Mm. Okay. Well, while we probably have the sense to, yeah, maybe take care of ourselves a little better, but the impact we have on our team, which is something that I learned a little later on, is is harder for the team because you're you're the leader. Okay. So I will I will suggest that. That clarity exercise you do once a year, I would, and and this is uh, something that I've learned. I, I do this every quarter with with my teams. It's just we all we all take a pause, even if it's for an hour or two, 
and when we talk about progress, I, I don't want to use the word wins uh, because there's wins built into progress. And guess what? Progress is the most important. Just like you said, when you blew past that that one million dollar raise goal, it, it was nothing. Actually, it's a significant milestone. But the point is, there's such a there's such a big vision. It's almost like when you're at the top of the first mountain, you see the next peak, and it's never ending in in a good way, because you know you're you're building, you're growing, you yourself are building yourself and growing, right? And the imposter syndrome, I think what what got me, and I'm still working on this, but what got me clearer on helping that out was the fact, the impact it was having on my teams. So that then took me to a place that I that I cared about, right? But keep also another thing in mind, Rafa, the fact that you're even talking about starting a business to solve a problem. That's, that's again, another, you know, you're activated by, by crisis, you know, you're starting a business to solve a problem. That's not the problem for you, if you know what I mean. That's not the question. For a lot of people who are not sure if they're entrepreneurs, they probably aren't. The fact is, the fact that they're thinking about starting a business to solve a problem is already a question because that, you know, you need to be doing something else. Being who you are is such an important aspect of, of where I'm at. And the whole, tell, tell me about, tell me about COVID. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk on this, this last part now about COVID. How, how have you reacted during COVID? So this is a punch in the gut to the whole world. Okay. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. how have you reacted? Why have you uh, res- responded there? I think like COVID was really interesting for me because so when it happened, I was I was in Los Angeles at the time. I had graduated like a year before. And so our office was in LA with the team. We were like five, six people at the time. And we had an office in downtown LA and I would just like walk to the office every day. And about like six months before COVID, because some different members of the team lived in different areas of LA. If and if you're familiar with LA, you know that the traffic is absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to like make people commute an hour every day or two hours every day to go to work. Like it's just stupid. And so we said, well, you know, two, three days a week, like we'll, we'll work remote. So we were already working hybrid, like when COVID hit. Then when COVID hit, we also got lucky because our lease uh, on the office was coming up for renewal. And my own lease for my apartment was also coming up for renewal. So we didn't renew either. <laughs> we went full remote with the company and I personally went like full nomad. So I basically, so I, I went back to Europe for the summer because, um, because Europe was opening up. And so I wanted to see my family. And so my, my family saw me more in those three, four months than they had seen me like the past six years. Cause we, you know, we usually only see each other for Christmas. So it was, it was a good time to reconnect, you know, of course, like being careful with, with the kind of like, uh, social distancing and all that. But, you know, we weren't really going out that much. So it was more like just spending time with family, then realized that the time difference with my team in the U S was starting to kind of wear out on me. You know, I had to take calls until like two, 3 AM every day. I was like, okay, this is not a life. I need to need to mm. settle back into like a time zone that's reasonable. And around the same time, as Europe shuts down, a friend of mine calls me up and he tells me literally the day that Macron, you know, the French president announces that the borders are, are locking down the next day, calls me up and he's like, Hey, and he, this is also uh, a guy who, who runs a startup. He tells me, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Mexico from Paris, uh, tomorrow. We're going to fly through Germany because the borders are still open within Europe. And then from Germany, we fly to Mexico. Are you in or are you out? But like, we have to decide tonight. Mm. And 
And that was like one of those moments where like, if life is a tree, that was like one branch that I could have taken or not taken that would have changed my life in actually a lot of different regards. I ended up, I honestly, I don't know why, like I just said yes, but it's not like I usually just say yes to going on a trip to Mexico. (laughs) And so it was a bit out of character, but I I did it. And I thought it was going to be a two, three week trip and then, you know, go, go to the US, like, you know, find a place, you know, in LA or something. Uh, ended up staying like a year in Mexico, ended up oh, absolutely wow. loving it there. And so the last basically 12 months I was in Mexico, ended up discovering the the Latin America tech scene as well, made a few investments there, met some amazing people, had an amazing time in, in Mexico, met some really great people. And then after a year of kind of, and it was almost a year and a half at that point of like kind of nomadic life, a month or two ago, I, I was like, okay, it's starting to wear wear on me as well like you know not you know jumping from airbnb to airbnb or couch to couch and so i you know my girlfriend and i spoke and she she found a job in new york and so we moved here with uh with my girlfriend and the dog and then it was a very weird past you know 18 months but but also like transformative in many regards and and business wise as i mentioned like it was it was more of a tailwind than anything for us um mm. so it was it was a lot of a lot of like, you know, hiring folks remotely ourselves and like feeling our own pain and using our own software to solve that yeah. pain of like, you know, hiring people that you've never met before in person is a very yeah. odd exercise, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had to go through that. So Rafa, as we're wrapping up over here, what's the next six or 12 months for you? Next six or 12 months is going to be, you know, really taking jobs to the next step. We, uh, recently released a zoom integration which is which is big for us and we we acquired about 150 companies on our wait list since we since we launched like a month or two ago so the next five or six months are going to be you know onboarding a lot of these 150 companies working with them to, to kind of get jobs set up probably growing growing the team here at jobs and uh and in, invest in more cool startups that are building technologies that hopefully will will become ubiquitous over the next five or ten years, which is kind of our focus. Great. And Rafa, this is the the ending closing question I, I ask is uh what's the advice you would give yourself, let's say, as you were in the last year of college that you would have actually listened to? Oof. I think regardless of the business that you're building you're not talking to customers enough. Like literally, I don't care how much you're talking to customers right now. It's not enough. And oh my God, I wish I took that advice five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, one year ago, (laughs) today. Like you're never talking to customers enough. So for the love of God, like get out of the office, go talk to customers and confront your ideas to reality. Um, Because chances are there's a pretty big delta right there. That's amazing. That's like that's like the formula of a successful business right there, right? I don't know about that. <laughs> no, no. I mean that's just it's it's just built around that, right? I, I use I use these words market intimacy and customer intimacy when I'm uh so I sorry not I use the word I use the words market intimacy and customer empathy. Because even because it's the famous Henry Ford quote, you know, if I asked a customer what they wanted, it was a faster horse. So let's not let's not go intimate there, let's just be emp- empathetic. They 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 want to go faster. They don't know what the solution exactly. is, but the market's shifting. You know, market's got you know innovations, two things, behavior change and disruption, two things, right? And it's uh, uh it's where's it going? And if you've got the solution for that, just you know, just 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 crack on. But uh, cool, good stuff, exciting. 
Rafael, thanks so much. How can people reach you through your through your LinkedIn, right? Rafael, Danilo, they will get those in the, the show notes. So Yeah, LinkedIn is great. Rafael Danilo, probably the easiest way to reach me, yeah. Great, Rafael. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it, Deepak. This was great. Appreciate you uh, inviting me on this. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on dm at deepakascoffee.com.